about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Acts chapter 9, look at verse 1. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. Now we know who Saul is. Who is Saul? He is Paul. Verse 2. And desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found in any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told of you what to do. Here we see the account of Saul or Paul. Basically, Paul had a radical conversion. Paul had a radical transformation in this scripture. Paul went from persecuting Christians to becoming one. He went from putting Christians in jail to coming against the church to basically becoming part of the church and a big part of it. Paul, through a spiritual experience or a demonstration of God and the power of God, received a revelation of who the Lord actually is. As faith people and kingdom people, we are not called to pursue experiences and demonstrations to pursue a daily experimental relationship with the Lord. One thing you've got to understand, when you start to see signs, wonders, and miracles, they are very attractive to people who have been born again and who are in the kingdom of God. But your pursuit is not of those things. Your pursuit is still of God himself. The Bible says, seek ye first, not demonstrations of the kingdom, but the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So basically, we want to seek God, and through God, then we will have experiences and power outbreaks in our life. We are not looking to see angels, although sometimes they have been seen. We are not looking for fantastic things, although some fantastic things have happened in different meetings that I've even been in. Basically, Jesus said it's a wicked generation that seeks for signs. So basically, we don't want to seek signs even though we have the ability to cause power outbreaks in our life. Because we are born again, we press into and believe for a daily experimental fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The closer you get to the Lord Jesus Christ in your your righteousness and in line with his word and agreement, basically will result in power outbreaks in your life. So your demonstrations come as a result of fellowship with the Lord, not seeking those demonstrations in your life. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the God-given ability to detect who the Holy Ghost is and what he can do. Also, the ability to know the voice of the Lord. Some people call it the still small voice. Some people call it the inner voice. You can actually hear on the inside of you God speaking to you. You have the ability to not only hear but obey and follow the leading of the Spirit of God in your life. That takes you beyond the natural realm. How can we do that? Because we have inside information. To believe what you do not understand takes the Spirit of God leading you above where you're at right now. 
How many of you know the Holy Ghost wants to take you further in Revelation, no matter where you're at right now? No matter how smart you are or how much revelation you have, he wants to take you further. So if you have a revelation of God meeting your needs and finances, he wants to take you into a place of not only meeting your needs, but having abundance to give to other places and other people. Maybe you have where he's healed you lately and you have a revelation of him healing you. Now he wants to take you into a revelation of you walking in divine health because it's already been provided for you. So the Spirit of God wants to take you from faith to faith, from one level of glory to another level of glory, and it will really never stop until we get out of here. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 16. This is Paul talking. He says, For I am not ashamed of the good news or the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that does what? Believes. To the Jew first and also to the Gentiles and to the Greeks. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Here it says, Paul wanted the Romans' faith to rest in the power of God. If he wanted it back then, then today God wants your faith to rest in the power of God. Here it says, the good news is the power of God to everyone that does what? Believe. Believes it. So because the good news is available to everyone, that means that the power of God is available to who? Everyone. Every single person. Believing the good news will cause the power of God to flow in your life. The good news is available to everyone, not just a select few so the power of God is available to everyone, and that includes you. The power is available to every single one, but notice you need to believe the good news. Say, I need to believe the good news. So power demonstrations, power outbreaks, invasions of the Spirit are directly proportionate to your faith in the promises of God. Now, if I'm going to put faith in the promises of God, it's very important that I know the promises of God. If you don't know the promises of God, you can't put faith in the promises of God, and you cannot manifest the promises of God to you or to even other people as you're ministering to them. Christians all over the world have a zeal for God. They have a desire for more of God, for God activity in their life. How many of you have that desire? We even sing the song, you know, set a fire, and then we go, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Well, actually, how many know you can't get more than God of God than you've already got? But we want a demonstration. We want an experience with God that we've not stepped into yet. Many people in the church just live in a form of godliness with denying the power thereof. And that is because, number one, they're ignorance of the word of God or the promises, and they're ignorance of the indwelling spirit on the inside of them. You must maintain a tenacity for the things of God at all times. How many of you know there is resistance to you having a tenacity for God at all times? There's a resistance to reading the Word. There's a resistance to praying in the Spirit. There's a resistance even to coming to church. There's a resistance for all these things because the devil knows if you get under the anointed Word of God, it will change your life and bring revelation into your life. So a continual pursuit of the fullness of God is available once again to every Christian. If not, the spirit of the world, the spirit of fear will come into your life and they'll start holding you back from where you can go. The good news of Christ or the gospel of Christ is the power of God to those who believe. Now, what is the good news about Christ? 
He lives in us, that Christ is in you. He is the hope of glory. If Christ is in me, then the power is in me because Christ is the power of God. I have the wisdom of God in me. I have the knowledge of God in me. Everything that I need is already on the inside of me. Every time I say that, people always want to say, well, I don't know everything. I don't have the wisdom and knowledge of God. You will have it when you need it. You don't need it. It won't manifest out of the inside of you. But if you're staying close to the Spirit of God, becoming one with Him, the Bible says when when you become born again, you are joined to the Lord. You become one spirit. So all at once, the Spirit of God inside of you will start speaking through you, will bring up wisdom and knowledge that you didn't know that you have, and it will help other people. But that knowledge is always available to you, and it's always there. How many of you know when you get married and you're with your wife a long time, sometimes she'll start the sentence and you'll end it? Sometimes you'll think the same way about a situation or circumstance. Why is that? Because you became one flesh. But now with the Spirit, you have become one spirit, and there's an opportunity on the inside of you to manifest that Spirit out of the inside of you. Hallelujah. So we need to believe, basically, the gospel, the good news. And if you're going to believe the good news, one of the main things you're going to have to do is stay away from the bad news. Hallelujah. And bad news is everywhere right now. You need to learn to detect when it's coming on. You need to change it. You need to even portions of it because it's out there. They are trying to brainwash you in every single area of your life. So you need to understand what's going on. Uh, I think it's a time for a shift in the airways, the Bible talks about. He's the prince of the power of the air, but there needs to be a shift. There needs to be some outlets coming soon who will speak truth and who will speak the good news once again so people can basically step back into the good news of the things of God, believe it, and see power manifestations in the earth today. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 13. It says that we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore we do what? We speak. So the spirit of God on the inside of us, the spirit of God who we have, who leads and guides us, is known as the spirit of faith. The spirit, how does the spirit of faith react? He believes and then he speaks. He believes and then he speaks. Now, what does he speak? He speaks what he believes. So that means that you need to believe the good news in order to speak the good news. If you're believing the bad news, you will speak the bad news. That's just the way it works. So you believed and therefore they spoke. If we believe, we will speak. And from the first two classes, what is that called? It's called divine utterance that comes out of the inside of you. What does it do? It triggers divine ability that's already on the inside of you. In other words, your divine utterance out of your mouth, you speaking in line with the Word of God, with revelation, releases the power of God that's already on the inside of you. No talkie, no power demonstrations. Unbelief talkie will not cause power demonstrations. So the Word of God has to get in there, the gospel, so that you believe it. What does it do? Allow you to have an invasion of the Spirit in your life, lives around you, other people's lives, because divine utterance is being spoken. I believed, and therefore I have spoken. Others will start to see your faith that you have in the power of God because you're releasing the power of God and they are seeing manifestations of the Spirit in your life. You are chosen by God to be used mightily in this time. You are chosen to be used supernaturally with power demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. But you must contend for the faith in the good news and you have to stop listening to the bad 
news. Say, I refuse to listen to the bad news. Hallelujah. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Even if your speech is not directly lined up with the Word of God, if your speech is just positive, you will affect people. Because there's not a whole lot of positivity in the world right now. Everything seems to be negatively in the world right now. So basically, you will be going against the flow of what's going on right now, and people will notice that there's something different about you. Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 9. Paul says, I want to make all men and women see what is the fellowship of the mystery. What's the mystery? Christ who lives in you, the hope of glory, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now notice, nobody had a revelation of Christ in them, the hope of glory, until after they were born again and had the Spirit of God because they had no potential to get that revelation unless they had the Spirit of God on the inside of them. So no Old Testament people would have that, couldn't even understand it much less. Even though they didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of them, they did not have the revelation to even comprehend it at that time. But once you get born again, the Spirit of God on the inside of you will reveal to you. And here Paul says, I want all men to see the fellowship of the mystery. Well, why is that, Paul? Look at verse 10. To the intent that now, when? Now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So here's our purpose as kingdom people. We are here in this dispensation to embarrass the devil at every turn and show the power of God. Our priorities are to do the will of him who basically sent us. Jesus as a son came, why? To destroy the works of the devil. You are a son of God. What are you here for? To destroy, not put up with, not talk about, but to destroy the works of the devil. How am I going to do that? I'm going to believe the good news. It's going to give me divine utterance to speak out my mouth. I'm going to prophesy or utter or declare those words, and it releases the power of God on the inside of me. You can change things in your life from your finances to everything else just by using this easy little formula right here. Just by praise God that you're wealthy. Praise God I'm healed. Praise God the Word of God says that I'm healed from head to toe. And as you do that, you're releasing the Spirit of God on the inside of you who's going to bring into effect those things because God said them. Why can we say those things? We found out last week because God said them. I mean, it's good to repeat God. It's better to repeat God than a lot of other things you hear. Hallelujah. So we want to, as God has said, then we can repeat what God has promised us and what God has said. What are we doing? We're proving to the devil that Jesus went to heaven, but it did not end there. He sent the Holy Spirit, and now there are many people here on the earth. As the Father has sent me, so I now send you to do what? Destroy the works of the devil through divine utterance and release the power of God out of the inside to show that a new kingdom has come to the earth. It has now arrived, and basically the power of God is available once again in human beings. Basically, if you study the Word of God and you find out what Satan's problem was, Satan wanted everything that you got. You study it in Isaiah and some of the scriptures where Satan fell. He wanted to ascend. He wanted to have power. He wanted to be a ruler. He wanted to manifest things. And he didn't get any of that stuff. And then you came along and you did absolutely nothing but get born again. You didn't study. You didn't do anything. And all at once you got everything that he fought for, everything that he wanted, and it was handed to you freely. How many know that might make him mad? 
So what does he want to do? He cannot stop the power that you've got. He cannot stop the believer that you've got. The only thing that he can do is keep you back from operating in the power of God. That's why we have a lot of churches who do not operate in the power of God, who do not release the Spirit of God, who do not understand the Spirit of God. What are they? Their churches basically as social clubs. They come to church, they did their duty, they shake a few hands, they hug a few people, and they go home. But there's more for us to do than that, praise God. There is power in the church. There is power. How are we going to convince Satan that the power of God is still here if nobody's operating in the power of God? So basically we get a revelation of Christ in us. We get a revelation of our ability that we can cast out devils. We can heal the sick. We can walk in wisdom and knowledge. And as we do that and speak it in utterance, the power of God on the inside of us will manifest in the natural realm. And a lot of times it's not a big-time crazy manifestation of what you're doing. You know, we read the scripture, first of all, where Paul had the experience of where he got born again, and basically his whole life was changed. But if you get down three or four scriptures from there, there was a young guy by the name of Ananias. And God comes to Ananias and says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go lay hands on Saul because I touched his life. Now, how many know Ananias knew that he was killing Christians? How many knew that he was putting Christians in jail? And Ananias had to check God and say, hey, what, what, what? You want me to lay hands on who? What going on? And so Ananias did it. He obeyed God, even though it didn't sound like a very good idea to him. Laid hands on him. The scales fell off. Paul ended up writing most of the New Testament. And I'll tell you what, you never read about Ananias again in the entire Bible. So that's the only thing that he did. But how many know that was a very important... See, everybody wants a gigantic ministry with 40,000 people out there and all this kind of stuff and be known by everybody. Uh, to what Ananias probably fulfilled his destiny more than a lot of people who have 40,000 seed churches. Why? Because that's what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to do that. And it wasn't easy because he didn't want to go lay hands on Saul. He'd probably end up in jail. But he obeyed and he did it. So don't get the idea if you're not doing spectacular great things out there that you're not doing anything for God. Maybe that one person who was depressed at work that you touched with the power of God and your positive attitude and the word of God changed them. Who knows? You may run into them 10 years from now and they may be in Africa delivering everybody who's over there of demons. You don't know what happened. So don't gauge you by, don't judge your place and what God's called you to do by everybody else. Run your own race. Stay in your own lane, praise God. Maybe your lane's a little bit different, but it's still, if you fulfill it, it doesn't matter. Do you see what I mean? What matters is what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? And this is what I'm going to do. And Ananias did one thing, only time mentioned in the Bible, but it was a big thing. What if he didn't go? What if Saul never became Paul? What if Paul never wrote the New Testament? What if Paul never operated in signed wonders and miracles? It was all because one guy obeyed God when he didn't feel like it. And I mean, he's not, his name's not in lights. You don't hear people talk about him very much in the Bible, but I tell you what, he was a big part of just following what God wanted to do in his life, praise God. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. All right, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 12. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, how many know that you're a saint? This tells you that you have an inheritance in the light or in wisdom and knowledge of understanding what it is. And here he says, Giving thanks to the Father who has made you able. Say, I'm able to partake in my inheritance. And if you look at your inheritance, it's really big. Verse 13, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, 
who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. So here it tells you that God has delivered you from the power of darkness. Now the power of darkness is the satanic realm that you were born into, the nature that you had on the inside of you when you were born in the natural realm. It's basically the word there for darkness is ignorance. God has delivered you from the power of ignorance over your life. We were redeemed legally by Jesus Christ. We are redeemed. Say, I am redeemed. Now redeemed from what? The curse of the law. Everything under the curse of the law, you have already been redeemed from. It's already been given to you. Healing is yours. Prosperity is yours. Wisdom is yours. Power is yours. Knowledge is yours. What is that? That's my inheritance that I can now take advantage of. Yet we see most Christians, once again, walking in bondage, even though they have been, past tense, delivered from the power of darkness. The power you have is available to you now, today. It's exactly, will be able to, it is exactly the same power that you're going to have even after you die. You're not going to get a bunch of power when you die. You've got the power right now. The problem is we always want to put the power off into the future someplace until we go to church a little more, until we learn a little more, until we do this a little more. But that power was instilled into you day one. As a matter of fact, most, well, I can't say most, but a lot of Christians get more done for the kingdom of God in the first three months after they're born again. They're all excited about God. God has changed their life. They're telling everybody about Jesus. People are getting saved left and right. And after about four months, then they want to really get smart to do that. And they want to really get sophisticated. And they want to figure out how to cast out devils so they never do it. They're always studying and learning, but never coming into the knowledge of the truth. Basically, you had that power from day one. The best way to learn about the Spirit of God and the power of God is to do what it tells you to do. In other words, if it tells you you can heal the sick, start laying hands on the sick. Well, I laid hands on them and they died. They were dying anyway. Right. But that's how you're going to learn. You're going to lay hands. How am I going to cast out devils? You're going to learn, praise God. It's, it's not, you know, you see in the Bible they say come out, and they usually come out. Sometimes when you first start out and say come out, it ain't going to come out right away. And then you're going to start thinking all these thoughts and all these worries, and it's going to take you about two days to cast the devil out of there and wear you out at the same time. But you learn things through the Spirit of God by doing them. You know, it's the same way with prophecy in church. If God's speaking to you and you're out there and praises worship is over, the only way you're going to actually learn to declare the word of God to the people in the church is to get up and do it. You can say, oh boy, come up to me afterward and say, well, I had a word and here's what it is. I don't want to, I don't care what your word is now. It was everybody else out there. Do you see what I mean? Of course, it's safer just to come up in front of me. Come on, isn't it? You don't want to declare it in front of everybody for God's sakes. My God, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm, well, try it. If you're wrong, we will let you know that you were wrong and congratulate you for stepping out and trying to do it and, and flow with the Spirit. But if the Spirit of God's moving on the inside of you, what you say will be in line with what the service is doing 90% of the time and it will get you gone. And the more you do it, the more relaxed you become to do power outbreaks and declarations and operate in the Spirit of God. If you never get out of your seat and try anything, you know, some people say, well, I've never healed one sick person. My question is, how many times have you laid hands? None. Well, it's pretty obvious to me your track record is going to be zero. You know, until you do what God has told you to do. The Bible tells you to pray in tongues. Well, I don't have the gift of tongues. Yes, you do. Go home and start praying in tongues. It tells you to do it. Open up your mouth. Let your spirit loose and something will come out of there. Praise God. It ain't going to make that much sense to your mind, but it's going to work. So we learn by the spirit, by flowing in the spirit, doing things in the spirit. And I'll tell you, many times when you operate in the spirit, I don't know what we're doing over here, but we're going to stay here just for a little bit. When you operate in the spirit of God, most people will not even be able to know what you did wrong. When I go after church and, and me and God have a little conversation, he points out where I should have did this at that time. I might have been able to do that at that time. And he does it in a loving way. How many know he's not saying, stupid? 
what were you doing? You should have did this. No, it's not that way. He's leading you and guiding you and showing you and doing things. And, you know, many times when I get done uh, preaching the word of God and uh, I'll go home and I'll look through my notes and say, gosh, I wanted, I wanted to say that. That's what, that's what I wanted to say. You know, I gave that one after church a couple of weeks ago about what's going on in the world and that stuff. And when I got home, I said, dang, gone. I wanted to do the spark part after that. Then when they rose and nobody believed that Jesus was raised and honey said, I would have been good. Why did you get that thing? And I'm, going, <laughs> and I'm going, you're right. You know, you're right. That was good. So I went to the computer instead and I printed it up and I sent it out. And yeah, but you know, sometimes when you get gone in the spirit of God, there's things that are left out and it's not a life and death situation. You know, it's not that you, you cause the whole world to fall apart because something like that happened, but it's just stepping out on the Spirit of God and trusting. Say trusting. trusting. You need to trust this flow and the still, small voice on the inside of you and do whichever way he's leading you to do. And the more you do that and the more, the more, I guess, what am I trying to say? The more success you have in that area, the more success you'll continue to have in that area. Because flowing in the Spirit, there is no diagram A, B, C, D of what to do and when to do it. You just got to flow with what the Spirit of God's teaching you to do. So the power of God is available to us now, all the power that we need. We have many things that belong to us. Divine health is yours now. Peace and joy belong to you now. Abundance and prosperity are for you right now. And the authority that you have in Jesus' name is for you today. Verse 15 says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. So Christ is godliness manifested in the flesh. He is the nature of God. He is the power and wisdom of God. He is the express image of his person. And he now lives in the, in the church on the inside of you. So the church is the express image of God on the earth. What does that mean? What Jesus did while Jesus was here, we can do the same things that Jesus did because the express image of God is on the inside of us. The truth and the mystery was not revealed until the Holy Ghost came down from heaven and indwelt believers. He gave us the same power and the same nature of himself. Christ in us brought mankind a brand new kind of life. God himself now dwells in you. He lives in you. His power is available to you at all times. The church today, many of the church act like Christ is no longer powerful, but he got weaker over the last 2,000 years, that the power has passed away, that those were things back in the Acts or the early days. But Jesus in the Bible is called the forerunner. That means others are running behind him. He's called the firstborn. That means others are going to be born into power. He's called his dear son. We are called sons and daughters of God. So everything you see Jesus operating in, you also can operate in. All right, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. All right, here's the mystery of godliness again. We read this last week or the week before. 1 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 16. It says, and without controversy, in other words, there's no argument about this, great is the mystery of godliness. What is that mystery? Well, God was manifest or revealed in the flesh. How many know that was Jesus? He was justified in the spirit when he was raised from the dead. He was seen of angels. He preached unto the Gentiles. He believed on in the world, and he was received up into glory. So the mystery is God manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed up into the world, received up into glory. But notice, it doesn't stop there. 
The same one who did miracles 2,000 years ago will do miracles today. He'll do them from the inside of you. When he was received up into glory, it was not the end. It was the beginning of the church. The kind of power available to us is the kind of power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He is not the only one. He is the first one. He did it personally first, and he'll do it again through you today. There's even a song out there, some churches. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. But he'll do it again through you. Most of the people who sing that song are waiting for Jesus to do something, not understanding that he's going to do it through you. The exceeding great power is already on the inside of you. All right, go to Luke chapter 9. If you're a Christian for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, and you only want to get one revelation, the revelation you should get is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. That is the key to all the other revelations. Or God's going to tell you what to do, and you're not going to do it because you don't have the ability, and you don't have the ability. You've got the ability of Christ in you, and if you don't know Christ is in you, you're never going to step out because you're afraid you can't do it, and you can't without the ability on the inside of you. All right, Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Then Jesus called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to do what? Heal the sick. Look at verse 6. And they departed and went through the towns. And what did they do? Preached the gospel and healed everywhere. Now this is amazing because he told them what to do and they actually did it. See, there's so many things in the word of God we won't do because we can't think that we can do it. But look at the disciples. They just did it. I mean, do you think they understood it? No. You think they had a clue? No. We know that for sure. But notice what he said. He simply told them, go preach the gospel and cure the sick. So they went out and preached the gospel everywhere, and they healed the sick. Now notice, did they have, were they born again? No, they were not, were they, at this time? They were not born again. Did they have the authority at this time then? No, the name of Jesus wasn't even given at this time yet. So they had no authority. They had no power. They were actually operating under Jesus' anointing just from being with them and him giving them the authority through giving them the authority. Once he declared them to do it, they were able to do it because his authority came to them. Now we come to the New Testament in the church, and as believers, basically, we already have the authority now. The name of Jesus is a name above every other name and it was given unto men. What for? To rule and to reign here on the earth. We also now have the Spirit of God not with us, not floating around someplace, but He lives on the inside of us. All they had was Jesus in the flesh walking with them when they went, and many times He wasn't even there when they went out. But notice, we have a more powerful anointing, a more powerful authority. We have a lot more ability to do what God wants us to do because we are now the house of God himself. Hallelujah. God lives on the inside of us. So what am I going to do? I'm going to study the word of God, which is God himself. God and his word are one. And as I study the word of God, I'm going to grow in the word, or I'm going to grow in God himself, because the word and God is one. And I'm going to grow to 30-fold, 60-fold, or a hundredfold of God. Now, a hundredfold must be available, or they never put it in there. 
I mean, it just would have said, well, you can get 30-fold, and that's all the further you're going to get, basically. But he didn't say that. He said, you go to 30, 60, or 100-fold. That means you can start walking in the authority 100-fold, the power 100-fold, the wisdom 100-fold of God in your daily life and every single day that you want to do that, depending on how big a revelation you get. What did Paul want to do? All men to see, to come to understand the mystery of God that's on the inside of them. All right, stay in Luke chapter 9. Let's go to verse 28. All right, and it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings that he took Peter and John and James and went into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his clothes or raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of the death which he should accomplish in Jerusalem." So as Jesus here we see he was praying, as he was praying he was transfigured, the Bible says, before the eyes of the disciples. The power that was in him suddenly manifested on him. His face began to change. He regained to glow and brightness. The glory inside of him started coming forth. Now we've read this scripture before, I don't know if we've done it in this class or not, but Isaiah said to arise shine talking to us for the light has come and the glory of the Lord will rise upon you and the brightness of the Lord will come upon you how many know this is a manifestation of that prophecy back in Isaiah that there's going to be people after Jesus who the glory of the Lord is going to come upon them and people are going to see the glory come out of the inside of them to a point to where it not only gets in their features but also gets in their clothes and in other things. Now we know from Jesus' ministry and many ministries out there that people who have prayed over claws, people who have had shirts or whatever and throw them on people that the anointing or the glory has got out through them and on that piece of material and when they throw it on somebody there's enough power in that thing to heal somebody why is that because right here Jesus all at once became white I mean how would you like it if everything you just saw him he just turned pure white and his face is glowing and everybody's looking around suddenly there was a manifestation and a demonstration of the power of God where did it come from did it come from Elias no from Moses no from heaven no it came from the inside of Jesus Christ who had the spirit of God on the inside of him what was this it was a, a manifestation of godliness manifested in the flesh this Jesus is the same Jesus now that lives in you only now he's been raised and glorified and lives on the inside of you so here you see three disciples Peter James and John why do you think he took them along because the Bible calls them the pillars of the church he took the three pillars of the church they saw the glorified Christ before and before the crucifixion, in other words, they saw the fullness of Godhead bodily manifested in Jesus Christ. Jesus called it the kingdom coming with power. So the kingdom of God came with power. It was God manifested through a human vessel. What does the kingdom of God come with power? It's basically God manifested through a human vessel. Now, how many know there's many manifestations? It doesn't mean the only time that you're going to have a manifestation of God is when your clothes turn white and your face turns white and you see the glory of God all over yourself. No, there's other manifestations out there that do that from prophecy to other things. So the three disciples were there. The pillars were there. They saw what was taking place. And when did the transformation come? Notice, when he prayed. 
God was in him all along, but the manifestation of the glory didn't come on his way up the mountain. It did come, not come on the way down. It came on top of the mountain. When he prayed, there was a manifestation on the inside of him. All right, go to Matthew 17. Everything you see in the Bible is put there so that you know you can have it. It's not put there just so you can say, wow, that was really cool, and Jesus, that was really nice. It was put there so you can see that and say, my God, I can do that too. My God, he was the first one doing that. I need to do that too. I got the same spirit that he has on the inside of me, and it's available to me. All right, Matthew chapter 17. Look at verse 5. This is the same. This is just another version of it. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and they were sore afraid. Now here's the account in another one. This one is in Matthew. It says, When the disciples saw this, they fell on their faces, basically under the power of the Spirit, and they were sore afraid. Now why was that? because they had never seen anything like this before or experienced anything like this before. So the first thing that comes on your life when you see the supernatural above your natural mentality is you get afraid of it, no matter what it is. So basically at this time, they were afraid. They'd never seen anything like this before. They'd never seen this demo. This oh, they saw him heal. They saw him cast out devils. That was all right. They saw him multiply fish, but they never saw him glowing before. So this was something different. The anointing and the glory were in Jesus all along. But notice, if the glory had been manifested all the time that Jesus was here on the earth, the disciples would have been on the ground on their face for three and a half years. That's what people say. Well, the power of God's in church. Sometimes you lay hands and people go down on the floor and they're down there for 5, 10, 15, an hour. Why isn't it like that all the time? Because he'd be laying on the floor the whole time. What are you going to get done laying on the church floor for the next 14 years? Praise God. Does it work that way? It's when it's manifested, and it's manifested as God wills when God wants it to manifest in somebody's life. So the power of God will manifest in many ways, depending on what the need is. Sometimes the anointing's there and the demonstration's there to teach. Sometimes to cast out a devil. Sometimes for miracles. Sometimes for wisdom. Sometimes for healing. Many times just to pray. All demonstrations of the same Spirit of God. And what is it? The kingdom of God has come with power. All right, look at Mark chapter 9. Anything that he puts in the Gospels three or four times is something you need to study. All right, Mark 9, are you there? Look at verse 5. Same, same account. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, man, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and the voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. So here's another account. Peter sees what's going on. He's so afraid. He's been knocked down on the spirit. But you've got to remember that Peter was under the law. He was under the Old Testament. Back then, a tabernacle or a box was used to put God's presence in it because God could not reside on the inside of humans yet because humans had not been born again and made righteous so the spirit of God was welcome in them. 
So in other words, back here, you, you, you mean Ark of the Covenant, he was in the temple, God was in a box or in a house all the time because he could not reside on the inside of men. So naturally, when Peter saw this, the first thing he thought when he saw the glory of God was to make three boxes. What for? To put the glory of Elias in one, Moses in the other, and Jesus in the other, because that's what he had been taught. But notice, Jesus was trying to get across to him at this time that basically, I don't want those kind of tabernacles anymore. What I'm showing you as pillars of the church is that you will now become the tabernacles of the glory of God rather than a box. I mean, you know, on Pentecost Day, God did not drop a box on the people. He dropped the Spirit of God on people. The Spirit of God came to live and dwell on the inside of people. So he was trying to explain to them that you're not going to do a tabernacle anymore. You're not going to build me a temple anymore. When the Holy Ghost comes, you yourselves are going to be the house of the power of God and the Spirit of God. And the voice came out and said, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. All of a sudden a cloud and a voice came. God was saying, This is the end of man-made tabernacles. You're no longer going to put me in a box. I'm going to live in and manifest myself through a tabernacle made of flesh through human beings. Here's an example of my kingdom's return. The glory in and on a man. The kingdom comes with power. The mystery of godliness. God manifested in the flesh and manifested in a human being. So once again, this is, if you want to call it that, it was a show and tell. Not only was he explaining what was going on, but he also showed what was going on. How many know show and tells are good sometimes? So not only, I mean, he could have stood there all day and said, I can manifest and turn completely white and so could my clothes because the power of God on the inside of me. And they might have been or not. But if it actually happened, how many know it was going to be hard to deny that at this time? Praise God. All right, go to Acts chapter 6. the Spirit of God living on the inside of you as you get closer to Him and understand His voice and do it, you're going to be able to hear things that nobody else hears. You're going to be able to see things that nobody else sees. You're going to be able to see what's going on in the natural realm sometimes when it looks bad, looks terrible, looks like everything's falling apart. You're seeing something completely different because you're hooked up with the Spirit of God. There's a psalm that, I think it's Psalm 2, that where it says uh, the heathens rage and the rulers are coming and they're coming against God and everything looks dark and everything looks bleak and the next thing, it says God sits in the heaven and laughs. Now, how many know he wasn't looking at that? He wasn't looking at rulers trying to overtake him. He wasn't looking at it. No, he was seeing what the end of those guys were going to be. And he sits in the heavens. He just laughs about the whole thing. Why is that? He sees different than we do. He sees the real picture. He knows what's going on. As you get in the spirit, you'll be able to see things. It's a great way to keep your peace if you're walking in the spirit and you're not looking at the natural, but you're seeing the result of what's going to take place down the road. And that's what the spirit of God will do to you. The Bible says he will show you things to show you things to come. That means they haven't happened yet. And even in the Old Testament, there was a time when there was a, an army coming against a king, and the, the man of God said, they're going to come right there. That's where they're going to come. And they found out, and they, what did they, they knew ahead. Sometimes when you're walking in the Spirit of God, you will know where the devil's just about to attack, where they to attack you, where he's going to come, how he's going to come against your mind, what he's going to use to do it. And you're already ready for it when it comes. So we've got all this ability on the inside of us that we need to start using and get away from this outside stuff that's going on right here because there's a greater world than the natural world and it's called the spirit world. All right, where do we go? Acts 6. All right, look at verse 8. This is a very troubling scripture to religious people. And Stephen, full of faith and power, 
did great wonders and miracles among the people. Well, no man does miracles. Jesus does all the miracles. He has all the power. This says, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did. Who did? Stephen did great wonders and miracles among the people. Why? Because he was full of faith and had a revelation of the power of God on the inside of them, and he went along doing great wonders and signs. Before Pentecost, only one person was full of faith and power. That was Jesus Christ. After he arose and ascended, there was 120 more who were filled with the power of God. Peter preached, 3,000 more. Others preached, 5,000 were added. The kingdom of God had come with power and was spreading. It came through Christ, the Holy Ghost, in mankind. Demonstrations of that kingdom were seen by many. Signs and wonders were performed by the disciples. These were visible evidences of an invisible kingdom operating in the natural earth. The book of Acts is a success story of Calvary. They may have stopped writing it, but the book of Acts continues today in the lives of believers who will simply believe that they have been filled with the power of God. Hallelujah. Man, you read the book of Acts in the first four or five chapters. I mean, they were walking by people and their shadow was getting people healed. They were walking by many signs and wonders were taking place. So if the church started out in that, the church should be actually grown to a better place than that after 2,000 years. But something has stopped us from understanding the supernatural ability that we have, and it's taken back into just religious stuff rather than understanding that every single person. Well, for a while it was the leaders who had all the power. I am God's man of great faith and power, and you can't do nothing. You better come because I can take care of you, and that's not the way it is. You've got the same Holy Ghost that I have. Come on, you've got the same Holy Ghost Benny Hinn has. You've got the same Holy Ghost everybody else has. The thing is, you just need to get in line with him and follow his instructions in your life. All right, Acts chapter 6, look at verse 15. All right, let's just start in verse 8. I want you to understand that it's Stephen doing this. Look at verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of all them of Sicilia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. In other words, they got mad. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suburban men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and caught him and brought him to the consul. And they set up false witnesses which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all that sat in the consul looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of what? Oh, glow. Here comes the glow again. Now we saw Jesus. Well, that's just Jesus having a glow. Well, Stephen started glowing here too, praise God. And he was a natural person. And Stephen got all excited and he just started tearing off, praise God, and started preaching the word. Look at verse 43. Same chapter. He says, yeah, you took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Ramah, figures which you made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. 
Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he had appointed speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. So Stephen took off. He's already glowing. He's already happy. He's already doing signs, wonders, and miracles. They're mad at him anyway. He figured, what the heck? So he started preaching about the power of God. He started preaching about the spirit of God on the presence of God on the inside of him. He said, hey, some of you made tabernacles for demons to live in. Some of you else made tabernacles. We had a tabernacle for God to live in back in the old times. These things were the house of God. Now look at verse 47. He says, and Solomon built him a house. How many know Solomon building the temple? Then he says, how be it though, the most high dwells not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of rest? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, do you always resist the Holy Ghost as your forefathers did? I mean, oh, this was a good sermon. I mean, they're already mad at you. You might as well just go for it. I mean, that's basically what he's doing. He says, hey, Solomon, the wisest guy that ever lived, he builds you a house that was really nice. But things are starting to change right now. And we're not going to make temples anymore for you. My hand, who's his hand? Jesus Christ, all things were created by him and for him. So he's going to create. He's going to make a house of God. He's going to make a temple of God right now. He's going to make the dwelling place for my spirit of God. Jesus is going to do it. God says, I, I don't want you to build any more houses for me. My hand will become the first house. My hand through Jesus Christ's work then will be responsible to make more and more houses and produce to where the spirit of God will live on the inside of us. Why did the Israelites carry around the box? Because they needed power, didn't they? So they can, a few times the box was stolen. How I many know that? That was terrible because they lost all the power. But they always go and they'd always get it back and they carried that box with them whenever they went because they needed the power and the wisdom of God. They dedicated the temple one time with 120 people in it and the glory filled that temple and they were all knocked down in the spirit of God. The results of God in a temple was the cloud comes and the power of God is di displayed. So here's Stephen. He's already got these people mad. He's trying to explain to them that it's going to get worse because now I'm taking God out of your tabernacle, your holy tabernacle. I'm taking God out of your holy temple, and I'm taking it and I'm putting it on the inside of human beings right now. How many know this didn't go over very well? So Stephen was trying to explain the mystery that Christ is now going to live inside of people. Religious people got mad. They got afraid. They got violent. They said, let's keep ordering the church. There'll be none of that laughing in here. Praise God. Nobody falls down in the spirit in my church. That's not reverent. That's not what we're going to do. That's just the way that it is. What were they doing? They were fighting the kingdom come, basically. They were mad at the demos of the Holy Ghost. And then 51, he really puts it on. Praise God. You stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. So he said, you're resisting this. I don't know why you're resisting it. This is good news. God's going to come live on the inside of people no longer in a box. Basically, the thing that profits all, which is the manifestation of the Spirit, is going to be available to mankind. You build a house through Solomon, through David, through Moses, but now there's going to be a new house that God wants to do, a human house built by Jesus, restoring righteousness to man, sending the Spirit of God to live on the inside of each and every one of us. God was given these religious people another show and tell, a visible manifestation in the face of Stephen, godliness manifested in the flesh, the curtain had been torn from top to bottom, and the glory and power of God came out of the holies of holies to live on the inside of human beings. All right, look at verse 54. 
When they heard these things, they yelled, Hallelujah, rejoiced, and were so glad that Stephen was their pastor. <laughs> no, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, I guess that's why he was glowing, looked up steadfastly into the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. How I many you know this probably went over real well too? I mean, he just poured it on. He just did not give up. He just did not quit. He just kept going. So notice, here's Stephen. He's preaching about God's going to live on the inside of people, that the glory of God's on him right now. He's showing everybody what to do. He's all excited. They're growling and gnashing and biting their teeth, and they got rocks in their hands. They're about ready to throw them. And all at once he says he looks into heaven, he sees Jesus standing at the right side of, of the, the throne there, standing there, praise God. And then they get mad at him for that. Now watch this. This is the only place in Scripture where you will ever see Jesus standing. The Bible says he is seated at the right hand of the Father. So why, I ask myself, wasn't he seated when he looked up into heaven, but he was standing? I believe because somebody was preaching the revelation that was going to change the world, and Jesus stood up and said, Go, Stephen. Praise God. Preach it, brother. Go for it. Glory to God. That's it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it. Preach it. Preach it. And then they stoned him, and Jesus sat back down. But it's the only place you see where he stood up. He's not supposed to stand up till his enemies be made his footfall. How are they going to be made his footstool? Through people getting the revelation of the glory of God and the power of God on the inside of them and the ability that they have, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, look, we, did we do first 50? Yeah, look at verse 57. And after all this exciting news, they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran upon him in one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was what? Saul. Now, we all know who Saul is. Who is it? It's Paul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. How many know he had to be full of the Holy Ghost? I've been catching them stones and throwing them right back, praise God, with the best right I had. Sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep, basically, or he moved on, praise God. So what happened? They didn't all worship and praise God. They weren't excited like Jesus was at this. They basically cried. They ran at him. They stoned him. He, he, I tell you, I've met some of these people, praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus was so excited. Why? Because the revelation was being preached. The religious devil was getting mad about what was going on. So the religious people, notice they laid down their clothes at a guy by the name of Saul, who is Paul. They say, we follow Paul. He persecutes these crazy people like this. He comes against them, puts them in prison, whips them. We like him because he's on our side in these situations. Now look at chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen's death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, and great lamentation was made for him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. He entered into every house, and he hailed men and women and committed them to prison. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Paul basically ate it up. He was made famous through Stephen's death. He was well-liked. Praise God, he was persecuting the church. He was doing all this, not knowing that less than one chapter later... He was going to become 
what he fought against and what he put people in prison for. He was going to become the house of God and the person to get the revelation of being the house of God to give to everybody else, even though at one time he was stoning people. And notice, when he became a Christian and got born again, through his persecution, you know, we talk about money. If you give, you can get double portion back. If you bless, you get, or if you curse, you get a double curse back. You do that way. Notice, he went after the Christians, basically. He went after them and, and didn't like them and tried to get them. And later on, when he became a Christian, not only did the people who he was with not like him, but the Christians didn't like him because they were afraid too. He got a double portion of rejection because <laughs> nobody liked him when he became a Christian. The Christians didn't trust him. His own people didn't like him, so he's left all by himself. Why? He got a double portion back, praise God, of what he did, praise God. But notice, and this too, I'm telling you what, you can never judge people where they're at right now. Right. Yeah, you'd have been alive in this time. You'd have been a Christian, and you saw Paul standing there and everybody honoring him after they stoned your buddy. I mean, you wouldn't have thought much of him too. You had no idea. So we've got no idea what God can do in the life of somebody through the power of God on the inside of you. That one word, that one prayer, that one thing that you tell them can totally change their life around and get them on the right track, and God can use them the next day in the power of God and in the things of God. So it doesn't matter if you're going to be a world shaker and shake the entire world. It doesn't matter if you're going to have people everywhere that you're going to be touching, or it doesn't matter if you do those one or two things that God has you prepared to do when the time comes to do those things. God just wants you to fulfill the purpose why you're here right now, and you have a purpose. Aren't you glad Ananias was in the world at that time? I'm glad he's not born now. We don't need him now. We needed him back then, but he did the simple thing that needed done. So don't let your mind go crazy to where you've got to cast out every devil in the entire world and do everything. Just learn to operate in the Spirit of God, and you will see signs, wonders, and miracles. Every time somebody gets born again, how many know that is a miracle? Praise God. That is a total change. So just continue to press in the Spirit, keeping your tenacity for the things of God, and you will grow in spiritual things. You'll grow in righteousness, peace, and joy, and live in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for even a deeper revelation that we had when we came in here of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, I thank you for the power and ability that you placed on the inside of each and every one of us. We decide tonight to start to put that power to work. Hallelujah. I thank you that our believer elevates to a place to where it becomes divine, spiritual utterance that flows from our lips. We will not have divine utterance, then worldly utterance, then divine utterance, then worldly utterance. We're not going to complain. We're not going to be negative. We are going to speak the things of God every single hour of every single day. And I thank you as the power comes forth that out of the inside of us, rivers of living water will flow into our atmosphere, into our situations, into our job, into our families, into every area of our life. And I thank you and I seal this tonight, Holy Ghost. Do your work. Continue even as they sleep tonight. Continue to reveal reveal what they need to know, reveal the wisdom, release it on the inside of them, show them things, lead them in to guide them into all truth, and show them things to come in their life, in their jobs, and everywhere. Father, I thank you for your word tonight and give you praise for your anointing. In Jesus' name, and every